Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supreme Set American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Zoe and Madison deal with the consequences of the frat boy massacre and LaLaurie struggles to adjust to modern life. Today's episode, titled Boy Parts, was written by Tim Minear and directed by Michael Reimer, who, I found out, is also the director of Queen of the Damned, which is the very bad sequel to Interview with the Vampire. (laughs) Oh my god. I couldn't even say that with a straight face. It kind of tracks, though. <laughs> it kind of does, doesn't it? I'm a fan. I mean, I'm not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm a fan of the 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 the, um, the through line. <laughs> I'm a fan of this fact existing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, in boy parts. We we didn't really mention Misty Day in last week's episode, but we properly meet Misty Day in this episode. And she resurrects an alligator. She listens to Stevie Nicks. She hangs around swamps. What did you make of Misty? That opening scene is like <laughs> <laughs> overload by you. <laughs> Where the guys on the boat be like, I tossed in some jerk chicken. <laughs> them alligators (laughs) oh it's just yeah it's just like two white dudes in overalls in a boat Mm. (laughs) trying to shoot alligators in the face (laughs) which i would i i do not know the specificities of alligator Mm. hunting but i would have thought if you wanted alligator hide you don't shoot it in the face i mean i've I've never that kind of ruins the hide right i have no idea i have been to the swamps in New Orleans and there are a lot of alligators that's as much as I can contribute but um I did really enjoy when the alligator bit the one of the dudes in the face and literally dragged him into the back into the swamps after Misty revived it yeah that was fun and yeah because they're all kind of hanging by their tails because they've all been caught and then one just like comes wriggling back to life (laughs) okay (laughs) num num My favorite thing about Misty, aside from the fact that she's a massive Stevie Nicks fan slash impersonator, almost, is in the one of the descriptions of her character in the AHS Wikipedia page is Misty Day, a girl on fire, Stevie Nicks' number one fan, and a dead razor. <laughs> all, all the same thing, right? <laughs> Which is a lot. <laughs> For a single person. All, all equivalent level. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do love Lily Rab. She's so great. She's always great. And She's so great in this as well with her like crimped hair and mm. and shawls and the accents great. Um, I really enjoy this performance. And then we move on to Zoe and Madison, who have a lot going on in this episode. So. One of the first things that happens is that they are interrogated by police officers, which is, I found a hilarious scene because Zoe crumbles like paper. My recurring thing for this episode will be, (laughs) 
I really don't like Zoe in this no. episode. She's <laughs> such a little idiot. She really, really is. She's like, such a like wet blanket. Complete wet blanket. Mm. Loser. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> they interrogate them for two seconds. They're like, hey, we've got this footage of you visiting the mm-hmm. hospital. And then afterwards, the guy you visited died. Which the answer would be, oh my god, that's so horrible. I didn't know that. How sad. But instead, she's like, I'm a witch. We're all witches. <laughs> <laughs> we all have special powers. My vagina murders people. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Like, come on. Madison just looks at her like he didn't even really ask you anything. What the fuck are you doing? What are you on? She's got she's got absolutely zero chill. And I love how much um when Fiona comes in, she absolutely drags her to hell after that. I couldn't toast a piece of bread with the heat they were putting on us. <laughs> Great line. It's also a great um, demonstration of Fiona's powers because she she does like these little. It's one of the things I love about kind of the way that witchcraft is presented in this in this season. She kind of does this little very curt spit into two glasses of water and forces the policeman to drink it, and like one of them refuses to, and she almost fries his brain inside his own skull. Love it, and yeah, I you're right. The fact that it's not just like. A bewitched, you know, twiddle your finger, twiddle, you mm. know, twitch your nose, and mm. the magic happens. There is an actual sense of ritual behind a lot of these spells, which I think, yeah, it just grounds it. I mm. know this is a, a really, you know, ridiculous over the top show, but having those little details is really nice. Mm. Absolutely. And the kind of the centerpiece of the episode is when Zoe and Madison mainly because of Madison's um, initiative, go to literally piece Kyle back together? Well, they're not even just piecing Kyle back together. They're taking the best, the hottest body parts (laughs) of the deceased and like all decapitated and Mm -hmm. severed bits of teenage boy. And they're like, we're going to take these abs these arms, this penis, these legs, and we're going to sew them all to Kyle's head. Which makes me think, like, the proportions will be all wrong. (laughs) I know that when he gets resurrected, it's just Evan Peters, but I would have loved Mm. Evan Peters with just, like, like, suspiciously long arms. Yeah. (laughs) It really reminded me of Frankenhooker. Yeah. I feel like they should have committed more to the Franken aspect of it. Yeah, it's it's very subtle, which which I kind of like. But yeah, that particular scene, especially Madison is like a full on sociopath in this scene where she's like, let's build you the perfect boyfriend. Yeah, I feel like if I was a witch, I'd be a bit of a sociopath as well, though. <laughs> If that makes sense, because you have, like, literal control over life and death. Mm. And I feel like that rots the brain a little, I would presume. I I don't disagree with you. I do, however, disagree with the idea, like, bits of dead, disgusting frat boys are, do not make the perfect boyfriend, even if his head is Evan Peters' head. Yeah, which I, like, to point out, like, these are the boys who attacked her. Mm. 
and knowing what I know about resurrection and Franken bits of people, <laughs> like that's gonna be like the hair transplant episode of The Simpsons, <laughs> yeah. where if you take the hair of an evil person, mm. then the hair's gonna start controlling the person you put the hair on. So, I feel like it would have been safer just to keep Kyle body parts. Yeah. Although I guess there probably wasn't enough body parts. But oh, yeah. like some of it was missing. Yeah, or too um, deteriorated. Yeah, well, you do your best with what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I did mean like the shot of them physically putting the the body parts together. I thought that was quite a beautiful shot. I mean, it's it's grotesque, but it mm. is also quite beautiful. And the quite like haphazard sewing work, which I wow. just thought very thick thread that you're putting in there. I don't think Zoe and Madison have sewn a lot. No. I would imagine if you're a <laughs> witch, it's not really top of your priorities. <laughs> but yeah, they, I mean, they sort of get away with it. He, Frank and Kyle wakes up, but he's sort of, he can't really speak. He's not really himself and ends up in the care of Misty Day, who puts literal poop on his sew wounds, on the bits that kind of join him together, and she's sort of a bit like, let them stay with me, like a little pet that I take care of and kind of will fashion into some semblance of a human being, by which I imagine she's just going to really play him a lot of Stevie Nicks records. I I really liked that scene because you sense how desperately lonely she is mm, because yeah, she's right. so excited to have like, another person. Mm. Um, and I even read like a little bit of sexual tension between Misty and Zoe. Oh, it might just be me. It's just that there's this one shot where they're just looking at each other like mm. very intensely, and there's this like longing in her eyes but it it might be like just like a longing for human contact because misty's been on her own for so long mm. except for having you know killing the occasional alligator hunter um <laughs> so when zoe has to go back to the school like mm. you sense the sadness of like oh, but you're coming back right you're gonna come visit me and it's yeah. just really sweet yeah i definitely i didn't read that as sexual tension but mm, yeah maybe that's just because i i just don't really understand Zoe as a character and I don't really get like sexy vibes from Misty but I I, I like that reading yeah I feel like it was more on Misty's end than mm. Zoe who, yeah Zoe's just like a little plank of work walking around <laughs> Zoe is Jorman senior this season maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not angry at her she's just annoying at this moment <laughs> So yeah. we'll see where it goes, because that's also how it happened with the Monsignor. Moving on to another storyline of the episode is, well, where to begin? Shall we begin with Queenie or Cordelia? Um, let's maybe do Queenie, because it's a cool. bit shorter. So we learn a bit more about Queenie's past when she's hanging out at the school. And she used to use, she used to manage a a fast food joint and got in trouble because she burnt off the hand of a annoying customer and then Nan and Queenie discover Lollary in the house and well Lollary continues being racist and th 
throttles Queenie in the head with a candlestick and then kind of escapes and has this sort of like mournful scene where she misses her family and she realizes that she's, you know, displaced in time and I'm not I'm not really sure about these scenes. What did you think? I didn't mind the mournfulness too much because they have that moment with Fiona where you know she's very like why would you expect me to have any sympathy for mm. you and and I did I loved the moment I mean we're kind of shooting to the end of the mm-hmm. episode that Fiona eventually finds um Madame Lalaurie but there's a great moment where she's trying to defend herself she says I was a woman of my time <laughs> And Fiona just goes, that's a crock of shit. Like, you're just a nasty person. Yeah. Which I really liked because, you know, that is such a, a weak defense. Mm. People always love to, like, roll that one out. Like, oh, just a, a woman of the time. It's like, well, she was a white woman, first off. Like, mm-hmm. you can't even attribute those actions to all women, quite obviously. So it's stupid to say it like that. But, yeah, I just, I... I thought that was clever to have that in there. That's a that's a very fair point. It's um, it's it's, Laurie is a difficult one because she's, she is just a nasty piece of shit. Kathy Bates is such a good actress. She is, and I like what I've been really seeing in this rewatch of the season is just how much, she fabricates her own image of herself for herself. We see this in the way that she talks about her family, her daughters, like how much she misses them. But she was horrible to them through everything we've seen. Like she was horrid to her family and there she is sort of sobbing about missing them. It's like, no, girl, no, you were fucking terrible to them when you were alive, when they were alive. Like you were nasty and terrible to everyone. This sort of like self-victimizing is, well, now um, in 2020 gains a whole nother layer almost comedic but also really really nasty layer but I think there is something quite interesting about the fact of kind of how she perceives herself and how she's constantly reminded by everyone around her very bluntly no you're just a nasty piece of shit and you're a serial killer yeah and I guess what is interesting about this episode you know in comparison to all the issues that we had with the the first episode Mm -hmm. is here it's the violence is is retribution Mm -hmm. it's pure retribution it's like a mirror image of um wait because i didn't because they they hang all the daughters yeah um and kill them and it's like well that's just like a, a mirror image and and so then the idea that she sort of yeah tries to craft herself as any sort of victim is i've i do find that interesting because it's like she's trying to craft herself as a victim without realizing that she was simply on the receiving end of what she did to others Mm -hmm. so then we've got before we move into the chunkiest part of the episode we also have a bit more information about cordelia and how she's having trouble conceiving with her husband frank and he sort of tries to convince her to well, convinces her to use magic to help them have a baby. And I believe this is their first introduction of Frank and their dynamic. 
Yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere, I'll be honest. Yeah. Because well, this I mean, isn't a flashback, right? No, no, this isn't a flashback. He's just, like, there all of a sudden. Yeah. Do we like Frank? He's no personality. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't done anything yet. I, like, I remember when I was watching this... I, I again before this I was like oh god he is just this sort of like very I, I think it's actually very smart casting because I instantly disliked him and at the same time had no opinion of him it's this weird balance of like oh you're just like a vanilla piece of shit and you're boring and basic and also kind of a dickhead so yeah. I hate you but I also just have zero opinion of you because you have almost zero personality well, he's wearing like a denim jacket and a flannel shirt, and it's just like, we get it, you're a husband. He's got like that sort of mashed potato face, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's so mean, Bill's are kind of accurate. It is really mean. And I don't... <laughs> the I actor mean... is handsome. The actor is objectively handsome, but like, well, you also. See, I don't know. <laughs> let's hope he doesn't listen to this <laughs> I think that's actually probably good acting he's got like one of those yes. I know that I'm supposed to be handsome on paper but my performance which is I guess a compliment to his performance is gonna make my handsomeness seem annoying yeah because he's not like the sort of hot even if you're sort of mean or a nasty character or kind of a basic character, you're still like pretty to look at. I just see him and I can just sort of see a mashed potato. <laughs> it's really, it makes no sense, but it's the best way I can describe it. Sort of like unsalted mashed potato with no butter. Yeah, just like doesn't wear a mask when he's getting his Starbucks kind of vibe coming <laughs> off of him. Because he's like, I'm only in there for like five minutes. It doesn't matter. I'm just coming to pick my car. You know, like mm. not not pure evil, but like still like not chill. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah, just kind of like, I mean, you know, not to just kind of like things that Starbucks frappuccinos is the epitome of coffee when we all know it's the pumpkin spice latte <laughs> so don't even start <laughs> sorry everyone I, I i know it's basic but i really i haven't had one this year yet and i'm sad because i would like one i was just about to say something really snobbish because i'm such a coffee snob of being like well you know oh, he's the yeah. epitome of like someone who thinks that starbucks is good coffee and then i'm really i'm really glad that i don't say that because you like no, it's not good coffee though. It's not good coffee. Like I, I do really enjoy like really good quality coffee. Mm. But that's the thing: the coffee at Starbucks isn't good, but the syrups they put in the coffee, Ooh, yes. it's a different matter entirely. So oh, that's yeah. the appeal. If yes. I want a plain coffee, I'm not going to Starbucks. So I'm just that's the end of that. But Frank would. <laughs> I think the main storyline. That we haven't addressed that happens is Fiona and Mary Laveau. So Fiona mm -hmm. goes to visit Mary in her hair salon, and nothing like action wise really happens, but a lot of stuff gets said and a lot of stuff gets implied by their conversation. 
Mm, she goes in and just acts like a real dickhead. <laughs> Basically, is the scene. <laughs> and then at the end of it, is like, mm, can I have your immortality, please? Yes. <laughs> Bitch, no. <laughs> come in and insult me <laughs> in like every black witch in existence, and then be like, mm, but can I have please is for me. <laughs> God's I can sake. just I can just see you doing the little meme fingers. You know? You're just touching your <laughs> index. It's for me. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on that, please. <laughs> oh God! It Fiona. is it is quite delightful though to see Angela Bassett and Jessica Lange just have a beautiful bitch off with one another. Oh yeah, it's like. It's like you wouldn't want to be within like 10 feet of that conversation because oh, no. the the energy radiating oh, off of it would be too powerful. And this is significant because this is the first this is the first moment in I mean we're only in episode 2 but this is the first moment where we see that Mary Laveau is eternal. She's immortal in the same way because we'd only seen her briefly in the flashback when she poisons Lolorie but here we see her in kind of her contemporary glory. Just, and yeah. Still looks like Angela Bassett. Still still rocking it. I mean, absolutely. But also, what did you make of the way, um, of the implications of their conversation? Because they talk a lot about the, the rivalry between their sort of separate witch clans. Yeah, but then the yeah the most interesting part of that conversation is when Mary uh, says, "Everything you got, you got from us," mm-hmm. and the implication is that white witches only exist because Tituba, mm-hmm. um, which we can go we'll go in a bit when we do the historical bit, mm-hmm. um, who was uh, the first accused in Salem, and and was a slave. Mm-hmm. But she, she taught all the other the the white women mm-hmm. in Salem magic, and it was a gift. This is what she says: "This was a gift repaid with betrayal." Yes. Which I guess we we don't know what that is yet, and, and I can't remember whether they explain it at some point. But I that whole conversation is really interesting. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's also like hinting at the at the sort of like disparity between them because like even if we just look at the information we have so far the the kind of the coven live in this gorgeous huge mansion in the garden district in in new orleans and mary laveau has this hair salon in what i'm what is kind of implied i don't think it's really said that it's kind of in, in the ninth or the seventh ward so kind of kind of less I affluent i think they say ninth ward maybe right I'm yeah, pretty I sure they so. say Ninth Ward. You're probably right. So, like, not a wealthy part of New Orleans. And one that I believe, and I might be wrong on this, that was kind of very affected by Katrina as well. So, there's, like, an economic disparity between them. There's, like, antagonism there. And this sort of sauntering in by Fiona of, like, I'm better than you, but also going to have some of what you've got is... A very interesting power dynamic between them. And I really liked the way that it parallels so many other things in history. The idea that, you know, 
you got it from us and then you you know the gift we paid with betrayal mm-hmm. i mean if you look at the history of so much of black culture if you look at blues music i mean and jazz yeah. and that's what happened you know um yeah it's white using... people came in and took over and ended up making more money and sidelined black people it, it happens like over and over and over again in culture yeah and still today still today it's still happening absolutely and it's using yeah it's using witchcraft as an example to um even if superficially talk about cultural appropriation specifically by white folk yeah and sort of how it on a how it works on a wider scale mm-hmm. i guess a wider cultural scale so is there anything we need to cover that happens in the episode before we move into our categories i guess the only thing we didn't cover is that cordelia and her her lame husband <laughs> um, do end up well at first they they are getting fertility treatments at Mm -hmm. the hospital like human medicine (laughs) human medical stuff Mm -hmm. um and he's like babe why don't you just use your magic Mm -hmm. it's which is like an opposite bewitch because in bewitch darren was always like no 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 but here he's like babe just use your magic and cordelia says you know it's dark magic Mm -hmm. uh life and death like it's really dangerous um, and then we kind of skip over any following conversations and the next time we see them, they are having like freaky snake sex, <laughs> um, yeah. which I is a fertility ritual, I guess. Um, but there's snakes popping out of eggs, mm-hmm. there's fire, there's blood. <laughs> yeah, Cordelia's wearing a black negligee. Yeah. It's all happening. I mean... Not gonna lie, the fact that Fra- I find Frank so unappealing as a character and as a man, I'm like, ugh, really? Would that work? Yeah, and there are like snakes going up the butt crack, and I just feel like that <laughs> wouldn't be a good time getting a snake up your butt crack. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Why? Uh. Babe, is that a snake in your butt crack, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Okay, shall we move on to categories? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so, in so to kick off with our categories, what was your top quote of this episode? It was something Fiona said that it's not. This isn't a funny answer. I just really mm-hmm. liked this piece of writing when she says, "In this whole wide wicked world, the only thing you have to be afraid of is me." So that was great. And she says that to Madison and Zoe after mm-hmm. they... Well, it wasn't even Madison didn't do anything wrong. It was <laughs> Zoe being a little loser. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just great. Great writing and great performance. Yes, I love that. That's one of my favorite lines as well. Um, but I'm going to pick also a Fiona line where it's just it's such a throwaway thing it's more the delivery that i love it's in this conversation that she has with my lover when she just says as she's leaving it's nice to see you doing so well and there's so much violent condescension in there and mary doesn't really respond with anything she just glares at her and you could you like the tension almost cracked my computer screen it's just beautiful to see these two actresses acting like 
off each other. It's such a good scene. I just love both of them. I'm just going to fangirl over Jessica Lange and Angela Bassett so much in this season. I mean, so is the season. The season is doing the same. (laughs) (laughs) And what about the best song of the episode? Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. One of my all-time favorite songs. Just perfect and witchy. Yeah. And wonderful. And obviously Misty Days listening to it. Yeah. I'd agree. That would be my pick as well. There's two... Well, there's a Stevie Nicks song at the beginning, Edge of 17, and then there's Rhiannon. But I think Rhiannon and the fact that she's sort of so sweet and listening and singing along to her, to it and singing it to Kyle is very, very cute. Yeah. And I would also argue that Rhiannon is a slightly better song than Edge of 17. I don't know if I'm going to cause a controversy here. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Oh, no. <laughs> Have I done a hot take? <laughs> no, I think I just I can't compare Stevie Nicks. Songs. They're both perfect They're both though. Perfect. They're both perfect. But I've always slightly preferred I think Rhiannon is my favourite Fleetwood oh. Mac slash Stevie Nicks song. I just think it's it's what it's what Misty Day says. Mm. It's like, you know, it's like she's talking to you about all of your existence and your everything and it's just a great song. It is a great song. We can agree on that. And what about best witch pun? I didn't spot any witch puns, I'll be honest. The only one that I could spot, which isn't even really a pun, it just sort of vaguely rhymes, is when um, Mary Laveau goes, and what is your wish, witch? And it's still a bit lame. Yeah, I didn't know whether when Queenie says, bitch, I will eat you, (laughs) it was witchy enough. (laughs) I kind of liked that. I liked it, but I didn't like that that particular piece of dialogue, to be honest. I wish I could say it to people and piss me off and be like, (laughs) I will eat you. (laughs) So then moving on to the MVP of the episode, who is yours? I feel like... I feel like it's Marie Laveau mm. because I think at the end of that conversation with Fiona, she still has the upper hand because mm. she's been able to go, look, you're going to come into my salon and just insult me <laughs> constantly and then mm. ask me, you know, which because Fiona said something about like the hammer and the nail. Yeah. You know, saying that the white witch is the hammer and the black witch is the nail, which is and and then to come and ask for the nail's magic is what Marie Laveau, you know, retorts with. Mm-hmm. It's such a, yeah, it's such a great power move. Um, and so, she just kind of gets to walk away from it, being like, "Yeah, I have what you need, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna give it to you." It's a. It's a good power move, although I, I don't think that Mary Laveau has the... Although she does maintain kind of her, her secrets to her magic, she's still, like, being insulted on her own turf by Fiona. And the fact that Fiona kind of walks away is such a baller move, and Mary doesn't respond, which, yeah, she's she wouldn't be my MVP, although she is my MVP and everything else. <laughs> so is yours Fiona? Mine would actually be Misty Day. 
And not so much because she overpowers anyone, but because she is very generous with her power and like helpful. So she's kind of a, a much better example of a witch than any of the other witches that we've met so far. Like she just wants to help the the helpless or the, the people that she sees need or could use with her support and she's so happy as well to find other witches like her like she mentioned at one point that she thought she was the only one in the world it was just her and stevie and i thought that she she made made friends at the end of the episode and she used her powers kind of for good and doesn't really have all the context so but still sure that's a good pick she did make a friend yes that's important you sort of hinted at it earlier, but what about the insensitive historical reference of this week's episode? Well, yeah, they do talk a lot about Tichuva. Yes. Um, who I don't know that much about, I'll be honest. So they mention her, they have a little back and forth, Mary and Fiona, about... So Marie maintains that the original witch, the one that gave or taught magic to the witches of Salem from whom Fiona and her coven are descendants of she was the original witch so she um, and they have a, had this kind of very intense back and forth where Fiona says that she was a slave that couldn't read so she wasn't as powerful and they just kept kind of you know elevating her beyond who she really was but she was uh, a real woman and she was one of the first women accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials during the Salem witch trials uh, she was an enslaved woman and as with many people and women of color in particular of that time there's not that much well there's a lot of information but there is different types of information so what is her origins are um, constantly in debate, but what is understood is that she was an indigenous woman from the Caribbean. And at one point, Mary Laveau refers to her as, as belonging to the tribe of Arawak, which was a tribe of indigenous peoples in South America and the Caribbean. So there is, it's, it's actually like kind of accurate. <laughs> I know. It's not, the insensitivity is debated um the insensitivity is debatable because i think tichiba is a, a somewhat mysterious figure associated with the salem witch trials and with witchcraft of whom we don't know as much but she is referenced quite a lot in fiction she's featured a lot in the crucible by arthur miller uh very briefly in the 90s film adaptation as kind of you know the witch that you know the the black witch that forces the white girl witches to spread the rumors and all that stuff but and then she's also kind of featured in uh in another book from the 50s called titch above salem village and i think it's insensitive only in the sense that her name carries quite a lot of weight and it's quite she's quite a mysterious figure and it's just such a throwaway thing and I wish they'd kind of delved into it a little bit deeper and I guess you could this is gonna be I'm a little ignorant on this but they call her a voodoo slave girl yeah and Arawak the Arawak tribe be practicing voodoo I thought that was not that part of the world I think it's very specific parts of the world that 
um well there's there's like food that stems from the caribbeans uh so arguably maybe it is but again i don't have the the specialist knowledge to really say that i just wish they had um since they were throwing around her name i wish they kind of delved into it a little bit deeper or gave us kind of a specific thing and not just kind of you know googled salem witches and threw that name into the ether i just i get i get the vibe that there's something inaccurate about the <laughs> description because you know fiona describes her as afghan at one point and they yeah. bring up voodoo and it's like well i i just i'm gonna i i get a vibe that is not <laughs> completely accurate i mean I no, the, the only fun thing is that they do have this contradictory competitive way of speaking about someone who is clearly very important in the witch lineage and who Fiona really dismisses as you know someone who couldn't read so therefore she couldn't be a powerful witch um but I wish they'd gone into it a little bit deeper what is the best fit of the episode for you I really liked Cordelia's uh black lace negligee fertility snake fucking gown (laughs) 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 like she might have had snakes up her butt crack but she looked good that's that's the that's the way that h&m would title the product wouldn't it (laughs) snake fucking gown (laughs) yeah i have to say that i was really taken with misty day's like swamp chic outfit it's a lot of tassels a little like it's like a lot of flowy ropes and crystal necklaces and great tussled hair she does look really good yeah and much cleaner than i would expect from someone who lives in the literal swamps she's got a bit of smudgy eyeliner (laughs) that's all you need to know (laughs) it's the short end for lives in a swamp so what can we expect from next week's episode We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Coven. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. We've got our own channels now for the podcast. Follow us on at Pod. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. 